This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I know Sam will want us to be on the same course. Uh, last week was kind of a, a rough week for not only myself, but the team. Uh, you know, but we got to make sure that we take it on the right way of, you know, handling this situation. You know, we got to play like he was here. You know, he would want us to do that. You know, it's unfortunate that it happened, but we had to make sure that we stay together as a team. Um, I think it unified our team a little bit more, kept us stronger going to this fall. I think that, you know, it's a lot of guys that kind of, they're looking forward to the season. You know, definitely a senior class that came in with Fosse and uh, just being able to get out there and play for him. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard tomorrow whenever we're out there warming up and he's not by our side punting and holding for me. And it's going to be tough. But at the same time, you know, we've, we're here for a reason and we're here to play football. And that's what he would want me to do. I know that for a fact. He'd want me to be there mentally on the field, playing at my best and just helping the team win. And, you know, it, it's going to be hard, but we've got to be able to do it. My personal advice to myself is do it like he did it. Enjoy it like he did. And I don't want to either sound dramatic about that uh, nor disrespect it in any way because I think that the reactions and how people will use it or take it or handle it are all different. And here we are. The start of fall camp is here. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we kick off this edition of the Husker Online Show, Nebraska uh, full practice week here, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They will uh, get things moving right away here as they kick off this fall camp uh, for the Huskers as they get ready for that season opener against Fresno State. But you heard Mike Riley, um, you, you heard Drew Brown, you heard Tommy Armstrong just talking about how this team is moving forward. And it's not going to be easy, um, you know, moving forward um, from the loss of San Fultz. Um, it, it's happened less than two weeks ago. So, I mean, there really hasn't been much of a grieving period for this football team but I think football ultimately will be a, a healing point for this team uh, Nebraska honored Sam Fultz uh, during the fan day at about 6 30 it started at six o'clock they had the fans in for about a half an hour then they uh, did a tribute in a moment of silence on the Husker Vision screen um, I had a chance to, to catch up with the Fultz family a little bit as well Jill Fultz's mother you know said it's, it's just been overwhelming the amount of support the letters the the everything that they've received um, and she said, maybe the most unique phone call I received, guys, over over this period. I, I didn't even have to know who I knew who it was right away. She said the caller ID said Goodland, Kansas, and it was the mother of Brooke Beringer, Jan Beringer, reached out to Jill Fultz and just said, Hey, I, I I've been there. I know what you're going through right now. I want you to know that I will be there for you. So, uh, Husker Nation still mourning this loss of Sam Fultz, but we do have football. And, um, you know, Robin, Nebraska will do some things uh, they announced as well this week to honor Sam Fultz. And they really didn't waste much time getting this information out there. Yeah, it was actually, you know, really cool that Mike Riley hinted that an announcement would be coming during his press conference. And, you know, a couple hours later, uh, the release came out that, uh, you know, I guess first and foremost, uh, they're going to establish something called the Sam Fultz Memorial Scholarship, which uh, will be presented annually to a member of the football team uh, who basically embodies everything that Sam Foltz was about, you know, when it comes to leadership, you know, community work and uh, performance in the classroom. And uh, they're going to present the very first one during the season opener against Fresno State on the field. So I'm sure that will be a very emotional moment for, you know, everyone in attendance for that game. Um, so that was that was a real cool thing uh, that, that uh, you know, was probably the, the first step. And then after that, uh, there is also a... I guess uh, an award that the the athletic department as a whole gave out every year 
um, called the Heroes Leadership Award. They're going to rename that uh, the Sam Foltz Hero 27 Leadership Award. And what that is, is um, basically it's, it's kind of a deal where they give 27 student athletes across all sports who exhibit strong leadership qualities, commitment to service, and ability to encourage, empower their peers. And, um, you know, there's a reason that was the award they chose because Sam was one of the recipients last year. Um, so they're going to present that in this coming spring during a ceremony at the Lead Center um, on campus there. So uh, two very cool kind of awards that are going to help kind of establish uh, Sam's legacy and just kind of what he meant to not only the football team, but, you know, this university as a whole. And uh, as far as the team is concerned, a couple things that they're going to do, they're going to wear a SF27 sticker decal on the back of their helmets uh, for every game all season long. Uh, and also they're going to reserve Sam's locker in the locker room and keep, you know, his jersey and his pads and, and all that stuff. Um, that was what Mike Riley did back at Oregon State when he had a defensive tackle um, pass away. Uh, you know, d d during the prior to one of his seasons there, and so this kind of a, a a way that they can honor him, you know, as a team, you know, both on the field and in the locker room. So, uh, kind of a cool rundown of things that the you know the university and the football team are able to do to you know I guess do whatever they can to you know keep you know Sam's you know legacy in the forefront. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, and I'm gonna watch it. Now we bring in Nate Klaus, the, the conversation, Nate, and you know the, the similarities of him and Brooke Baringer. I mean, it's almost eerie as Chris Brown said last week on our show and um, when, when you hear these service scholarships and awards and even Jan Baringer now reaching out to Jill Fultz I mean it, it really is Brooke Baringer relived almost 20 years later yeah it really is it's pretty uncanny the all the similarities I mean just from the way that they I mean great players great athletes but uh, super great people too and and uh, you know they had a lot of the same hobbies with hunting and fishing and um, community service community service I mean it's it's pretty remarkable how how similar these two people really were and um, and what a great story about Jan Beringer reaching out to Jill Fultz I mean I think um, a lot of times you know, that's where it starts is with parents, you know, great kids have great parents and are brought up the right way. And, and, uh, and I think that's, that's just a powerful story about, you know, how close Husker nation really is in, in this, uh, family of, of football is, but, um, you know, I think it's a great honor the the way the university didn't waste any time to, to go out and, and honor Sam Fultz and create, um, you know, some, uh, you know, different ways to, to continue his legacy is pretty impressive. You know, another thing, too, um, I, I had a chance. Uh, his dad told me that they will still, uh, Gerald Foltz, that they will still be at all the games this year. They plan to be at the home games, the road games. And one of the traditions that they had before games uh, was Gerald Foltz would come down and give a hug to Sam before every game. And I think that went all the way back to when he first started playing football. And Drew Brown said, I'm just going to let you know, Gerald, that tradition is going to continue and you're going to give me that hug before every game. So uh, Gerald kind of joked that I've been kind of roped into making sure I'm at all these road games again. But um, I think that's what Sam would have wanted. And uh, they will definitely be um, a part of things this year and how difficult it must be. But um, they'll still be in the corner of this football team. But we've got a full fall camp show on, on slate today here. As I mentioned, the Huskers have a full weekend schedule of practice. Um, you know, one of the rare times they'll even practice on a Sunday. Uh, I believe about the only time they'll practice on a Sunday is this week for the entire year. So they'll have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I believe 
um, Monday, Tuesday. I mean, they'll go several days in a row here as they kick off fall camp. Just a few two-a-days in there. And that's kind of the trend when you look at fall camp schedules around the country. You're allowed so many practices. So uh, whatever that total number is, it's 28 or 29 practices you can divide those up into two-a-days or one-a-days. And a lot of teams have elected to eliminate two-a-days and just go with more one-a-days. So we've seen some teams start as early as Wednesday fall camp. Nebraska's going to start, uh, as we said, Thursday. Um, versus if you did more two-a-days, you might not start until the following Monday. So I think it gives you some extra days, some extra meeting times, and obviously the restrictions now in, uh, with concussions and, and heat – um, have kind of eliminated uh, the two-a-day setup here um, with, with teams. You know, I remember my early years covering the team. Nebraska would do two straight weeks um, of two-a-days every single day, and and it, that's just not the norm anymore. You, you're not allowed to do that uh, because of the rules. But when we come back on the show, we're going to talk about offensive storylines to watch in fall camp. Then we'll we'll, we'll dr- address the defense. Uh, we'll get Nate Klaus's take on Nebraska's newest commitment, uh, fullback Ben Miles, the son of LSU coach Les Miles. And we'll also talk about which freshmen are going to play. Mike Riley hinted that there could be five or six of them. We'll give our thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He held in high school, so he obviously has some experience at it. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a good athlete, and if we were ever to have a fake or something, he'd be a perfect guy for it. No, he want, he's, he reached out to me. I, I didn't even have to go to him, and he said, hey, I want to do it. I want to have a chance to do it. And I said, if you want to do it, then hop on board. I mean, we need as many guys as we can get, and I'm glad we have guys like that on our team. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as Nebraska uh, in the midst of fall camp here week one, and you heard kicker Drew Brown uh, talking about just who will be Nebraska's potential holder this year. And uh, this one to me makes a lot of sense. I, I think we uh, even speculated that this would be a possibility um, that Zach Darlington would would be just the, the, the ideal candidate uh, being a former quarterback. You heard Drew Brown say that he was a holder in high school at one time. But, um, you know, somebody that was close to Sam Fultz, somebody that has a real passion that's going to take that job seriously. So um, Nate Klaus, not not really a surprise at all um, that Zach Darlington could emerge as that holder to replace Sam Fultz there this year. Yeah, not a, not a name that the, you're surprised to hear there. And, and actually, I'd be surprised if it didn't end up being Zach Darlington there. Um, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned, plus – you know, what a kind of an ace up your sleeve to have a former quarterback there, um, you know, at the holder position in case you ever did want to get tricky with anything or get a little sneaky uh, with having him out on the field. I think that for the most part, he's a player that, that's, you know, I think for a lot of opponents would probably be under the radar in terms of them knowing his history as a quarterback. So uh, that would potentially add one more dimension to all of this. But I think Zach Darlington is a trustworthy guy, like you said, is, is a guy who's going to take would take that position very seriously and, and a player that Drew Brown would trust most importantly and other candidates uh, for that role would be Spencer Lindsay um, who was Sam Fultz's roommate backup walk-on kicker from Kearney that um, was in the same walk-on class with Fultz actually and then uh, Caleb Lightborn but M- Mike Riley said that you know being the, the starting punter which you know more than likely Lightborn's the guy they don't want to load his plate up as a true freshman with all those duties and um, you know, it's going to be between him and Isaac Armstrong, who was a walk-on from Lincoln Southwest, um, was probably more of a depth recruit. I don't think Isaac Armstrong was ever brought in to, to compete for the job. Um, it was going to be Fultz this year, as we know. 
redshirt Caleb Lightborn. And Lightborn was going to be a four-year starter more than likely if it played out. And um, as it stands right now, Robin, you know, Lightborn, I mean, I would be shocked if he's not the guy going into this year. I would too. I mean, you don't bring in a punter on scholarship just to have him sit out for, you know, a, <clears throat> a walk-on. So, um, you know, they're going to let the competition play out at least through the first maybe week, maybe week and a half. But uh, Riley made it clear that they're going to have this competition, you know, wrapped up pretty quickly. They're not going to let it play out all camp because uh, here's a big difference here. Lightborn and Armstrong kick with different legs. And so how you prepare your entire punt team depends on which punter is back there. And so, um, you know, Lightborn's a right-footed kicker. Armstrong's a left-footed kicker. So uh, they got to establish their guy so they can work that entire punt team around, um, you know, which style of, you know, punter they, they have back there. So I think that it'll be a competition, but Lightborn is the clear front runner, and uh, I would be surprised if they have him locked in after the first week or so. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we're going through the offensive storylines to watch as fall camp here is in its first week um, as the Huskers will be practicing this entire weekend in Lincoln. Um, and, and let's get to some injury notes um, I think the big one is DeMornay Pearson L. Robin. Um, you know, he, he missed, um, he suffered that knee injury in the Purdue game on Halloween weekend. So, you know, it was a late season injury, missed the spring. Uh, what's the status of DeMornay Pearson L. and how will Nebraska handle that in fall camp? Yeah, maybe some of the best news to come out of that press conference is that uh, DeMornay is fully cleared to participate uh, for the start of fall camp. Um, so, obviously, the rehab has been going as uh, everyone had hoped from that. A uh, freak injury he suffered uh, last Halloween at Purdue. Um, so definitely um, some some positive uh, you know developments there. But at the same time, uh, it's one of those deals where they're going to have to ease him back into the swing of things. I mean, yeah, he's able to run and cut and do do all those things, but uh, you can't just go and you know throw the entire workload you had for him this time a year ago. Uh, you know, and not expect some repercussions. So Mike Riley and the coaching staff are going to be very careful and cautious with the how much they give uh, personnel, you know, especially early on during the start of fall camp. And if he shows that, um, you know, he's, he can handle, uh, you know, more and more each week, then they'll, they'll add more to his plate. But this is something that they're not going to rush him back and, and, you know, make him full 100% go right away. Uh, with an injury like this, uh, you, you got to be careful. And I think that's exactly what this coaching staff is going to do. And the only other offensive injury of note, uh, uh, true freshman tight end Jack Stahl out of Colorado will not be a part of the 105, um, but he still will be around for rehab. So, you know, this is a guy that probably was going to redshirt, and I think that solidifies uh, Jack Stahl will be someone that will come in here in, in redshirt. But uh, all in all, I think the team is in, in, in fairly good health, as you heard Mike Riley say. Uh, Nate, another interesting uh, personnel nugget Mike Riley shared on that offensive line yesterday, I thought, uh, we, we kind of know that starting five today is, I don't want to say solidified, but they, they like Dylan Utter at center, left guard uh, DJ Foster, left tackle Nick Gates, right guard Tanner Farmer, right tackle uh, David Neville. Uh, but kind of the wild card name that can play both guard and tackle is Corey Whitaker, and he's a fifth-year senior guy that Mike Riley mentioned um, that you know could shake it up and 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 move in um, whether it's right guard for Farmer or even I think a right tackle role um, if if a Neville were to struggle out there. Yeah, Corey Whitaker, obviously a guy who was. 
uh, had a strong spring last year and, and impressed the coaching staff and, and isn't too far off of, uh, you know, a couple of those guys that, that came out of spring on that first uh, offensive line. And uh, must have had a, a strong, you know, summer as well. And, um, you know, had you have to kind of wonder, you know, what would happen had he not suffered a few injuries over the course of his career. I mean, he's been sidelined by, by injuries for a good portion of his Husker career. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out there. And I like the competition. I think competition is always a, uh, you know good to have, especially up front on an offensive line that that really needs to produce this fall. The other position, guys, as we, we talk offensive storylines here on the Husker Online Show and fall camp uh, underway here for Nebraska, running back. Um, I, th- I think that to me is the most wide open as to what direction they ultimately will go. We know Terrell Newby rushed for about 800 yards last year. Divino Zigbo came out of the bowl game. Mikael Wilbon has just intrigued everybody but hasn't gotten the opportunity. Then um, we'll talk about Trey Bryant more later in the show, but he's a talented freshman. Uh, But particularly those three underclassmen, Robin, I don't think anybody really knows how that's going to be handled and played out here um, in August and and when the season starts. Yeah, that's going to be one of the storylines to watch, you know, all fall and even on through the first few weeks of the season just to see how that running back rotation evolves. And I think right now the coaching staff doesn't even know because they have so many viable options back there. You know, they have an experienced, most experienced guy and a senior Terrell Newby, uh, who's probably, you know, got all the details of a position mastered more than anyone in that group. You have Divina Zigbo, who's uh, a complete beast uh, physically and really, you know, showed flashes of what he can bring to the table uh, as being a kind of a complete three down running back. And then Mikhail Wilbon, who Mike Riley said had a, a fantastic offseason so far and I think is really starting to get you know back in the good graces of the coaching staff to have a chance to get you know become a an integral part in that rotation and then of course you throw in Trey Bryant who Mike Riley praised so I mean you got four legitimate running backs that I think could all make a case uh, for seeing playing time this season so I mean uh, obviously you know we've said it time and again that the staff wants to have a feature back in an ideal world but uh, I think having you know this much depth and this many weapons to choose from uh, can be a good thing as well. And let's talk wide receiver as we wrap things up on the offensive storyline. Uh, Nate, uh, Mike Riley mentioned this yesterday that uh, this group, uh, when you even include Seathan Carter in there with Brandon Riley and Jordan Westerkamp and Alonzo Moore, DeMornay Pearsonell, Stanley Morgan Jr. down the line, it's as deep and talented of a receiver group that he's coached anywhere in his coaching career. Well, and that's pretty impressive because Mike Riley doesn't really throw comments like that around very often. And, and he's coached a couple of Bolitnikoff award winners. So uh, to have a group that is as talented, and as deep as he's ever had, I think speaks volumes. And, um, you know, the question now becomes, how, how are you going to get all those guys the, the ball? How, you know, what kind of rotation are you going to have? Um, you know, and, and who's going to emerge? We know that we know what Jordan Westerkamp is. Uh, we know what Brandon Riley is, Alonzo Moore, but uh, are there going to be anybody else that, that really steps up? Or, you know, how's the production of uh, throwing DeMornay personnel back in the mix? How, how's that going to affect, you know, a couple of those other guys that, that had good seasons last year? So that's going to be a pretty fascinating group, uh, I think, to watch through fall camp and on into the fall. All right, well, when we come back here, we're going to shift the discussion over to defensive storylines here in fall camp. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm taking the pressure as as more of a, a challenge than, than like, oh, it's kind of scrambling. Oh no, this is you know this is it or now or bust. But um, you know, I know if we, we can get what we done, want to get done, you know, as a team, then ultimately it, it'll pay out for me. A year ago, 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was linebacker Josh Banderas. This talking about the pressure going into his senior year. Sean Callahan back here with Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and let's start with Banderas and these linebackers. And you know, this is a guy that came in with so much promise. Um, Army All American, part of the Rivals Five Star Challenge, four star recruit. In fact, um, he was he is the last four star recruit to come out of the state of Nebraska, but injuries and scheme changes and um, just a hodgepodge of things have really gotten us to a point now he's a senior and his career really hasn't produced at the level I think people thought and um, Robin I think for Josh Banderas going into his final year um, there's no doubt pressure on him and how he handles that and and whatnot Mike Riley needs this guy to be a focal point and I thought that was evident when he was invited to be at Big Ten Media Days uh, to represent Nebraska's defense. Definitely now for Josh. I mean, we've been waiting, you know, three years now uh, for for Josh to kind of emerge to be that, you know, that hometown four-star hero that you know everybody was you know, really excited about when he initially committed. But uh, for whatever reason, you know, one thing after another seemed to just have set him back. And uh, the good news is that I think there's you like you mentioned, there's a reason why the coaching staff is so excited about him and has placed uh, these types of expectations on him because I think that they've seen him grow over the past year into a guy that's ready to take on that kind of role. And so uh, that's going to be one of the things that I'm certainly going to be watching, you know, this fall um, you know, during camp is, you know, just not only how he's performing on the field, but the types of little things he does, you know, as a leader, you know, bringing some of these young guys along and uh, being vocal on the field, you know, both on, you know, during reps and, and on the sideline between reps, uh, because that's the types of stuff that you have to do if you're going to be the quarterback of this defense at the Mike Kleinbacker spot. And, um, you know, keep in mind, he's got a guy in Chris Weber who played a lot of games last year in his own right. And so the, the pressure is going to be on him uh, to not only, you know, emerge as a leader, but to, to produce uh, on the field along with that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think when you look, Nate, at, at this group of linebackers a year ago, I said to somebody, it was kind of a ragtag bunch of, um, just, you know, injured guys, guys with no experience, walk on like Chris Weber, guys that switched positions like Luke Gifford did. Um, it just wasn't really an experienced deep group. Now, all of a sudden, all of those guys return. Um, there's some young, promising guys. I mean, there's six to seven linebackers now that could help Nebraska, whether it's on the defense or even special teams. Yeah, the depth, uh, you know, the turnaround as far as depth goes at that position has been pretty remarkable. When you when you look back to when Mike Riley was hired, they had four scholarship linebackers, and now they've got 11 or so, and, and probably, like you said, six or seven guys that could legitimately, um, you know, be plugged in and, and play at a, at a high level. And, um, you know, Chris Weber is a guy that, that Mike Riley mentioned is a player that, that could push Josh for, for playing time. He, he said Luke Gifford had an extremely productive offseason. Uh, and has made great strides. Uh, he, you know, he looks much more like a linebacker than a safety now since making that that switch. And then you've got you know some other guys. Marcus Newby has really come along, and then the the young freshman that that played some last year, Tyron Ferguson. Uh, Muhammad Berry is coming off a red shirt. So, um, yeah, that, that group is a promising group. And, and you have to give a lot of credit to Trent Bray with the way that he has completely flipped the, the depth at that position. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett, as we discuss defensive storylines here to watch for Nebraska um, in fall camp. And let's move over to me. What What is the biggest question now of this defense, the defensive line? Um, they graduated Jack Gangwish. They lost an additional four players that had eligible ability to return to Nebraska and Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine who were both drafted and then the departure of Greg McMullen after the spring which was un 
um, known at that time, as was Kevin Williams' departure now to Michigan State. Um, so there's John, John Perella has been dealt a bad hand of cards. I mean, he really is going to have to turn water into wine this year uh, when you look at um, the, the the players that he has to work with, a lot of young guys that have never played. And, and that's the thing, Rob, when I look at this defensive line, um, everything right now is based on projections. Mm-hmm. Everyone is projecting for this line to be good. Mick Stoltenberg, Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, Nebraska needs big years out of guys like that, Kevin Maurice, uh, and they can't afford really any injuries. Yeah, and I guess when you look at it two ways, you know, one, the bad news is that group is loaded with inexperience. The good news is it's also loaded with potential. Uh, I think that while there's a lot of, um, you know, asterisks there of whether these guys live up to that type of potential, I think that there's still a lot of reason for optimism because you look at the Davis twins, you look at Mick Stoltenberg, um, even Kevin Maurice. I mean, he just barely just even scratched the surface on on his contributions here. Uh, And then on the defensive end spots, there's a lot of young guys coming up the ranks. And so I think that, yeah, it's going to be a tall task for Jean Perella and for Mark Banker uh, to, to get this defensive line ready to go to produce this season but you know with with opportunity comes you know the chance for guys to really develop and grow into those roles so um you know it's certainly not ideal i mean when you lose that much from you know one position group uh there's going to be you know a learning curve and they're going to be bumps in the roads early on but i think with the talent that they have and the projections that a lot of people have for so many guys in that group um you know i still think there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about the future of the defensive line nate for me i still and this might be my biggest concern for the team still they don't have that road dog pass rusher that guy that when it's third and eight you don't have to bring a blitz you can bring that guy off the edge and rush four and he's going to beat the left tackle to the quarterback can freedom akamaladum be that guy i don't know um he he was hurt last year he comes back he didn't really produce after the injury that is probably to me as big of a concern for this football team right now than anything going into camp absolutely the the lack of pass rush was something that really hurt nebraska last year and uh and they're gonna need to have somebody step up because they they like i said they don't have anyone that that puts fear into the other team when it's third and long and and uh, and that completely changes the way um the other teams call the game it changes it changes everything so Either freedom is going to have to step up and be that guy, or you're going to have to place your hopes on a, a player like Alex Davis or Deshaun Neal um, that that they have it in them to develop into uh, a pass rusher, somebody who who can give Nebraska um, you know pressure off the edge without having to dial up a blitz. So. Uh, and that's what that's what this fall camp is going to be all about. I think for some of those young guys to find a niche and see if they can find their way onto the onto the field and and just a small part part of the game instead of being being an all world newcomer, um, you know, and really shaking things up. I think freedom though has to be you know a six to eight sack guy for mm-hmm. Nebraska this year and give them some solid defensive end production. Ross Azuris, you know, he's not really a speed rusher. He plays more his technique, and you know he can get to the quarterback every once in a while. While, but they just don't have that Randy Gregory, that Avery Moss, that Jay Moore, Adam Carricker type of guy right now, at least today. And, um, you know, when you play those teams like Wisconsin and Iowa um, or Ohio State that have NFL caliber left tackles, mm-hmm. um, that's where it really shows. I thought last year, the Michigan State game, even though Nebraska won that game, Nebraska didn't touch Connor Cook. They could not get to him. Jack Conklin, Michigan State's left tackle, completely um, solidified that line and, and that and when you play in these 
games that swing seasons, those are the position battles that matter um, from being a 7-8 win team to maybe a 9-10 win team is having a defensive end that can beat a left tackle off the edge, and that will no doubt be something big. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap it up here. Um, just a couple brief thoughts here, guys, on the secondary. Um, this is also one of the stronger points. Joshua Kalu, Nathan Gary, Chris Jones all return as starters. Uh, I think when we'll talk more about this in our next segment, there's some young guys that could shake things up. But um, I just think year two, Robin, uh, briefly as we wrap it up, um, as, uh, when we look at the secondary, um, th- th- there's potential. And I think guys have just bought in more in, on that back end. Yeah, I think there's a better understanding of you know what the responsibilities are in coverage. Uh, I mean, there was no group that struggled more with the coaching st- uh, change than, than the secondary, particularly the safeties. You know, Nate Geary said as much uh, towards the end of last season. But when you look at the overall play, uh, you could argue that the defensive backs made as big of an improvement as any position on that defense. Uh, towards the end of the year, they were playing some of their best football by far uh, of the year. So I think that that, um, you know, with the roundup returning experience that they have and, and the veteran presence, there are some depth issues. I mean, they're going to be really young at corner. Um, but I think that they're strong at safety and their two starting corners uh, are as good uh, of a tandem as you're going to find uh, maybe around the Big Ten. Um, I think this is going to be a vastly improved defense, especially against the pass where last year they were terrible. I mean, what were they, 120-something again? And a lot of that defense. from the beginning of the season, they just got in a hole. I mean, they played teams that were really big passing offenses yeah. that did not want to run the ball. So they shut down everybody's run game, but they gave up about 400 yards a game passing in those early games, and they were never able to get out of that hole. So with that comfort and familiarity, you know, not only with the players, but with the coaches, you know, kind of they, they have a relationship there. I think that uh, that in itself will lend to much better performance uh, on the field when the season starts in September. All right, when we come back here, we've teased this. Uh, Mike Riley talked about five or six freshmen that could play. We're going to have our thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we came up with five or six names that we want to push into this thing and see how they do in the first two weeks. I think I told you a year ago that what we normally do is is look at this hard for a couple weeks before we decide about the whole red shirt factor. When we do that, then we'll pick those guys and get them going. But in order to do that, we've got to have them in a little bit of the, the stuff right up front, especially on special teams. That was Nebraska head coach Mike Riley uh, speculating and talking about potential freshmen that could play this year. He said anywhere from five to six. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus back here on the Husker Online Show. And we thought it'd be fun here to speculate on on who those potential five or six could be. And, you know, we were just talking off air. It could even end up being more than five or six when it's all said and done. I I think there's a a lot of camp that could play out. But um, let's start, I think, with some of the obvious ones. uh, I think in the secondary, Lamar Jackson, if you were to kind of handicap Vegas odds, he would be um, the clubhouse leader, um, a guy that is for sure going to play. Uh, Robin, give me give me one on your on your plate. Well, I mean, you got to look at what Mike Riley said later on in that very same press conference and mentioned that Trey Bryant is a guy that they're really excited Running about. Running back from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, he's you know, kind of – 
fits um, a mold that they they can figure out a way to use not only in the running back rotation but on special teams and uh, when he says freshmen that are going to play I think that's one thing you got to remember is it's not just you know on offense or defense Uh, they were really kind of limited with their depth on special teams last year and so I think that there's going to be opportunities for like you mentioned maybe even more than five to six freshmen to see the field right away this year uh, in some sort of capacity whether it be on coverage units or any of the kicking games so uh, yeah I put Trey Bryant as there as a guy that potentially I mean depending on how he shows up this fall uh, could work his way into into the running back rotation but I think you know for sure is going to find a spot somewhere on special teams so Lamar Jackson Trey Bryant Nate Klaus your turn give us the next guy well I think Caleb Lightburn is you know right behind yeah that that almost might be the the lock yeah that's the lock to me is Caleb Lightburn Um, you know coming into this season they obviously they need a punter he was recruited for that job so he's kind of the lock maybe um, a a different guy that I think makes a lot of sense Darian Grimm wide receiver early enrollee early enrollee out of California put up insane numbers uh, and made the transition extremely well last spring I think he was very productive and he could be a guy that that not only works out at wide receiver maybe he gets into the rotation a little bit uh, to help soften the blow from losing Jordan Westerkamp, Brandon Riley, Alonzo Moore next season, but also makes an impact on special teams because he's an athletic guy. Darian Grimm uh, nicknamed uh, Cherry Nate Klaus um, because give give us the reason why. Well, he's got red hair. He, he's got he's he's dyed the 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 top of his hair is is bright red, uh, so they call him Cherry. And and I, I saw something on social media right before fan day saying that, that he got a haircut. So I didn't know if, if that meant that he had, uh, had shaved the red off his hair or, or what, but nope. Uh, fan day came around and, and he's still bright red, uh, cherry top head. All right, let's continue this. <laughs> let's continue this discussion of freshmen that could see the field. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus here on the Husker online show as fall camp is underway for Nebraska. I'm going to throw another defensive back out. I already said Lamar Jackson, uh, we've said Caleb Lightborn um, as a punter, Darian Grimm as a wide receiver, um, Trey Bryan as a running back. Those are four names. A fifth name I want to put out there, DiCaprio Boodle, uh, the defensive back. I just think when you look at the state of Nebraska's cornerback position, yes, Josh Kalou, yes, Chris Jones are are kind of the established guys, uh, but it's very much wide open uh, behind those two players. Um, I mean, I think somebody, you look at the, the distribution chart guys of the corners in the program, um, Charles Jackson, we kind of know what he is. He's never been able to get on the field. He's a 24-year-old, fifth-year senior right now for Nebraska. Bose Joseph, another guy uh, that just never has really materialized. Um, so that's what Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle are looking at. They just have to beat out a couple of guys that really have never been able to get on the field. Eric Lee, obviously a younger guy ahead of them uh, by one year. But um, I think DiCaprio Boodle could be on the fast track. And he just is another one of those guys that even if he doesn't see the field much on defense, he screams special teams uh, standout. I mean, as the gunner type with his speed, being able to get down the field on punts, maybe even kick Legit 4-3, 4-4 four, four, yeah. four guy. I and mean, you can do a lot with that guy in the special teams realm. So, yeah, I would certainly put him as uh, maybe one of the shoe-ins to see the field in some capacity, probably more than likely uh, on special teams. Nate, I'm going to throw another one at you. I want your thoughts on this. Markel the Smuke, a safety, maybe a special teams guy. 
Absolutely. I, I think uh, Markel is not going to wow anybody with his physique. He's still kind of a skinny kid, but he's a playmaker, and we saw that in high school. He's an extremely hard hitter, uh, and he has great ball skills, and he just makes plays regardless of where he's at on the field, either side of the football in high school. Uh, and, and he came in and has gone to work this summer and would not be surprised in the least bit for him to find a niche on – on special teams at, at the very least this fall. And, and the, the other thing to keep in mind there is that he's from Calabasas and Nebraska's recruiting an awful lot of kids out of Calabasas. Keep, keep it flowing, baby. Yeah. Keep that connection, keep that pipeline happy and, and show all those kids out there that, Hey, if you come to Nebraska and you work hard, you're going to see the field early. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we discuss freshman guys that could play uh, JD Spielman, um, the talented return specialist out of uh, Minnesota, the Minnesota high school player of the year, Suffered a uh, was it a lacrosse injury, Nate yeah. Klaus? Yep. Um, but he is now fully cleared. It wasn't. It was one of those minor uh, meniscus type knee injuries, not a big full scale, um, you know, structural injury. Um, so he will be out at camp. He's kind of a wild card guy, guy as a kick returner. Nebraska last year leaned on Stanley Morgan late. Um, we won't even get into the Jordan Stevenson kickoff experience, how well that went for Nebraska. That's a whole other show and a segment later. But um, J.D. Spielman um, is somebody that could, I think, emerge. And if he shows promise, look out. Um, I'll throw one more name out here, too. Um, and I want your comments on these names. Matt Farniak as a tackle. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I, with the amount of energy and effort you know, Nebraska's coaching staff, Mike Riley personally uh, put into recruiting him. I mean, he's a guy that I think can, they think can play right away. And with the limited tackle depth they have, I think he's got an opportunity to potentially make an immediate impact. Nate, give me your thoughts on J.D. Spielman, Matt Farniak. Well, J.D. Spielman, if you're going to compare, make some sort of comparison out of last year's signing class to DeMornay Pearsonell type, it would be J.D. Spielman. He's absolutely electric with the football in his hand. Uh, his football coach, uh, Eden Prairie High School, has been around for 30-plus years, and he said that he's the mo he's the best high school football player he's ever seen come out of the state of Minnesota, which, which speaks volumes. Uh, and he's coached some great ones there at Eden Prairie. Uh, some five-star type prospects. So, um, yeah, I think that he could find his way onto the field as, as a return man. And then Farniak, I mean, the lack of depth at, at offensive tackle is is pretty alarming, and especially at that right tackle position where I think they, if Farniak did see the field, that's where he'd be plugged in because David Neville – you're you're putting a lot of weight on someone who's never really produced uh, to go ahead and, and take that next step. And if he doesn't take that next step, you might have to start grooming someone to get ready. Yeah, he. I mean, in my opinion, I think Farniak is a a bad practice or two from Neville away from mm -hmm. you know getting on the field and getting a chance. I mean, not saying being the guy, but let's just say Neville comes out and he's struggling to block Rostazuris in practice. Well, that's not going to be good. I mean, they're going to have to get that looked at. And I think, you know, opposing defensive coordinators and D-line coaches, that's the guy they're going to go after right away this year is, is David Neville. Um, so Matt Farniak is definitely going to be on rotation or on the, you know, on, on call for the whole year, I believe. Uh, let's get thoughts on these linebackers because I think they are the wild cards. Quayshawn Alexander, Pernell Jefferson, Greg Simmons. Um, all three of them are intriguing. 
Um, they all do different things. I really liked Greg Simmons' film. Um, Nate, you know these guys better than anybody as far as their filming ability. Could you see any of these three uh, being a part of that freshman group? Well, I think you can make a case for any one of the three or all three to, to end up seeing some sort of time as, as true freshmen. Uh, you know, I look at the body types, and Pernell Jefferson, Quation Alexander really impressed me. I mean, they're all impressive physically, but, I mean, uh, Anderson, or I'm sorry, Alexander and, and Jefferson really stood out to me yesterday. Uh, and both of those guys were, were unique as high school players in the term or in the fact that they, uh, they were pass rushers off the edge, also played a lot in the box as linebackers and did special teams, you know, kickoff coverage, things like that, uh, in high school as well. And, and, you know, as we've said a thousand times already, you know, those, those linebacker type body types and the skill guys, you know, that's, that's what can is your special teams units and and I think these guys uh, could make a case to, to see the field in that capacity this fall all right I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out here as we wrap it up I'm gonna say over under or push uh, five freshmen will play Robin over over uh, I think for sure I think over is the easy answer here I, I think there will sure. be about seven I think we could see at least seven uh, just just the special teams I mean mm-hmm. that, that's where I see a lot of these guys make an impact I mean like Nate said you could have three of those linebackers playing right away just on special teams alone I mean then you add in Lamar Jackson who's a given Caleb Blightburn who's a given who DiCaprio Boodle Trey Bryant who appear to be givens I mean that I mean the, the numbers just speak for itself it's probably going to be more than five yeah I think the red shirt guys we know O'Brien's going to red shirt we know um, on that offensive line, at least three of the four, I think, redshirt. I think both tight ends redshirt. Um, and I think on the defensive line, um, both defensive ends will probably redshirt unless one of them can really give them a pass rush presence. But that, to me, is where the redshirts are. But those other positions we mentioned where Nebraska needs just some different guys to play, there's no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be a group that Nebraska – could count on heavily well we'll have full coverage of fall camp throughout the weekend on husker online so make sure you are logged on as uh, we will bring you the latest from big red camp but we want to close the show with some recruiting talk with nate klaus nebraska picked up commit number 12 from ben miles the son of lsu coach les miles we'll get nate's thoughts on that next here you're listening to the husker online show You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as uh, we are in our Christmas time right here, guys. This is a start of fall camp, Nate. I love this time of year, but we still wanted to reserve some time to talk uh, some recruiting here as we close out this, this week's show on the Husker Online show. And um, let's get right to the, the big news um, recruiting-wise. Nebraska picked up a commitment from um, – LSU head coach's son, Ben Miles, uh, LSU head coach Les Miles' son, Ben Miles, a fullback. And, you know, it's one of those positions where you don't see a lot of guys get offered as a true fullback out of high school. Why did Nebraska like Ben Miles, what they see in this kid, Nate? Well, Andy Janovich really opened up the eyes of, of Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf for what he could mean to an offense last year. And then they watched the film of Ben Miles and they said, holy cow, this kid – can really do everything that Andy did and maybe even a little bit more. Um, He catches the ball well. He could be a a thumper, you know, as a lead blocker on inside runs. He he goes in motion as an H-back and it seals the edge. Um, you know, he does, he catches the ball. They split him out wide. I mean, he's got terrific hands and he, he could be a short yardage back as a, you know, as a eye back, uh, back there by himself. So with as many different sets, uh, you know, uh, 
having uh, two back sets, uh, different personnel groupings. Uh, you know, Nebraska likes to have a lot of tight ends on, on the field. I think they look at him as just an extremely versatile weapon and a kid that they'd be able to use in a multitude of different ways and get really creative with. Plus, all the intangibles that a kid like this has. You know, when you're talking about a coach's kid, well, he's not just any coach's kid. He, I mean, he's Les Miles is, is the, one ma- the, the Mad Hatter. Exactly. He's a Mad Hatter. He, he's won a national championship and he's grown up around football his entire life. He knows what it what it takes to prepare. He knows what, what college football is all about. Um, he plays for a big time program there in Baton Rouge at Catholic High School. He's he's played against great competition. So I mean, there's just everything to like about this kid. And um, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way: Mike Riley has never offered a fullback a scholarship in 30 plus years of coaching. Uh, ben Miles is the first one he's ever offered. So that speaks volumes to me about what they think about uh, this kid as a player and a person. Well, yeah, you mentioned just the transition to being the son of Les Miles. It's not going to be a foreign land for him walking into big-time college football. He's been around the weight room. He's been around practices. He's got somebody at home to advise him. I'm sure he's very close to LSU's assistant coaches or they know him. Um, so I think when a kid like that gets here – um, it's going to be a very, uh, not very, but a smooth transition into this level of football. And um, I don't think he's going to come in here with any sense of entitlement uh, because I think he probably gets the landscape of how major college football works. Yeah, he knows what the grind, uh, you know, is all about, you know, what it takes to be successful. And um, plus, you know, I think he was looking to, to do something kind of new in a place where he'd be able to, to fit in at extremely well and, and have an easy transition. But to do to kind of be his own man and and uh he fits in extremely well with his offense um you know it's kind of a similar program to to lsu in the fact that it has a lot of tradition the fan base is a rabid group of fans and so i think everything just kind of aligned up there where he said you know what i've got a great relationship with the coaching staff the you know the the offense fits me perfectly so this is this is where i want to go this is where i need to be is at nebraska and and i do think that that transition will be uh, extremely smooth and and he could be a guy that we see fairly early on in his in his career all right we're going to transition over here now to our next topic as we're talking recruiting with nate klaus uh, on this final segment of the husker online show and as i look at the current state nate of recruiting in the new legislation that passed here um it's hard for me not to think of uh, the the famous 1980s song the wild wild west as nebraska and coaches everywhere are able to retweet and, and have all this interaction with the recruits on social media it's unlike anything we've ever seen before as uh it's literally become the wild wild west of recruiting out there yeah 1201 on monday night they uh NCAA allowed coaches to retweet and like things, share things on social media. And, uh, you know, you had, you had coaches across the country, you had, uh, player personnel guys, recruiting guys, staying up until 1201 to, to be the first to retweet some kids, um, you know, offer tweet or commitment tweet or, or whatever it was and to like all their stuff on social media uh, and things right out the gate things got pretty crazy um, you know for a good 24 hours my timeline on on my tweet deck was just going crazy 
<laughs> I I don't like it. I think you, you it's turn, weird. It's a weird rule. It is extremely weird rule, uh, and someone's going to mess up and, and end up breaking the rules too. Because the NCAA's big deal is is click, don't type. So you can click the retweet button or you can click the favorite button, but don't type anything. Well, sooner or later, someone's going to break that rule, and and someone's going to have to you know self-report themselves for a secondary violation. And and to me, recruiting is about selling you know the benefits of university selling the tradition of your football program, selling, um, you know, yourself as a coach and building relationships. Well, this is basically just a, a kind of a popularity contest. And I, I think it's just a bad look. I don't know what you know, purpose it really serves, but um, we have seen it kind of die down, you know, in the, the few days afterwards. But initially it looked like uh, this was going to be, quite a mess yeah a lot of wasted man hours that went into this as um i I, on my feed personally i had countless dakota schools and wyoming and ohio's and you know all these in-state tweets that we retweet and and write on in-state kids locally all those i mean that was how i noticed it more than anything on my timeline uh or the amount of coaches but um, it just tells you the NCAA, they can't police this. And I think they've just given up mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, hell, we do this for a living and we can barely police Twitter as far as keeping up on all the things that are out there. And there's just no way the NCAA can do it unless somebody tattletales on somebody for breaking a rule. Yeah, that's basically how you're going to get caught is is when you make a, another school mad and they do some investigating and, and find out that, hey, you know, you, you favorited a tweet or, you know, whatever you, you did this or that. So the NCAA is basically just throwing their hands up and saying, okay, this is fair game now because we can't police it. And, um, I think it's ridiculous. I, I don't know, but you, you've got, you've got coaches now that not only do they have to, to coach and prepare for games, prepare the players on the team, but now they have to stay up and keeping up on, on each one of their recruits timelines to make sure that they're not getting left in the dust, retweeting something that a kid put out there, um, you know, just to kind of stay in it with, with some of their top recruits. So, um, yeah, I guess that's where the advantage of having a ton of support staff comes in. Um, you know, Nebraska has definitely bolstered their recruiting support staffs and these guys are going to play a role in that but it also then to me raises questions on okay who's actually retweeting your stuff if you're a recruit is it the coach that's recruiting you or is it some intern or- yeah that coach better know like, exactly when he talks to a kid and and i imagine too nate you mentioned i think every school is going to have a screenshot guy that that catches if someone breaks a rule that school is going to have a screenshot guy that gets it caught on on um computer and and able to documentate it maybe for the ncaa absolutely it's i think i think we're going to see uh the fallout of this here sooner than later and i wouldn't be surprised if this is another one of those rules that we've seen lately that that goes into you know goes into effect and then all of a sudden yeah it gets tabled (laughs) pretty quick so uh, something to keep an eye on going forward. As we wrap it up here, Nate, uh, the other thing um, you know that was cool though about this is the gold. Like Nebraska, uh, they put out their offers and they tabbed them the golden ticket. And that, every kid that received an offer um, from Nebraska verbally um, that you know still has a standing offer received a, an official written offer this week in the mail. And um, the kids all tweeted those offers out and, and pictures of those. If you're a prospect that 
thinks you have an offer from someone and you don't get something written, I mean, is that pretty concerning for a lot of guys now? Because this is really the time of year now where you know if you really have that written offer or not. Absolutely, it's concerning. I mean, anyone, any school can send out as many verbal offers as they want, but uh, it doesn't mean a whole lot to, to some kids unless they have that written official offer. And, and if you're a kid that thought you had a handful of verbal offers from some big-time programs and didn't receive you know, any communication as in terms of you know, actual letters or you know, an email or, or direct message on Twitter with a picture of your official offer letter, um, that's concerning because that means that you don't actually have an offer on the table from these schools. It makes you wonder, like IMG Academy, when 31 guys get offered at one time, how many of those guys actually received the written offer on August 1st this week? I promise you when Georgia offered 30 players at IMG Academy in the spring just – for the sake of doing so, I, I guarantee you, not all 30 of those guys received a written offer from Georgia uh, on Monday when, when they could officially go out. But, um, you know, this is another opportunity, though, for for schools like Nebraska to uh, to be first to, to offer again, even though they had already offered these guys to the to be the first to send out that written official offer and say hey look before now it, it didn't mean a whole lot it was just words but now it's in writing with us and we're the first to offer you and there's several guys uh that put out hey first written official offer came in from nebraska got the golden ticket and i, I think you know, you're seeing nebraska being creative with the golden ticket idea um and they went into great detail on, on the official offer about you know what it means to, to have an offer from nebraska both financially financially and all the tradition and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think that it's been very well received this week and you've seen really all the top prospects that Nebraska has been involved with uh, being very active on social media, uh, showing off their official written offers. Well, it should be interesting to just to kind of follow all this stuff and how it plays out. But that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have full coverage throughout the weekend here of this opening week of Husker Fall Camp. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 